Isn't that exciting? It's such a great video. I want to just take a minute. I want to thank Steve, who's the guy in the suit wheeling it off. Steve and then Margaret and John Kelly and Seth Damore, who who, uh, put together the video. They've spent, I think, three nights this week, up to 10 and 11 at night, to make sure that was ready for today. And I think they did a fantastic job. So thank you, guys. Amen. (laughs) When I became a priest five long, long years ago, right, um, I became a priest and I went through seminary and I made the choice to become a celibate because the world needs Jesus Christ. Not because I liked going to Mass, not because somehow I thought I could maybe preach or something, but I became a priest because I became convinced at some point in my life that the world has plenty of beautiful people, the world has plenty of smart people, the world lacks saints. And the one thing that matters, the only thing that matters, is that. Right? People give themselves for all kinds of things in this life, brothers and sisters, but the only things that there are two things that endure, God and souls. And that's what this is all about. Some of you know these stats, but I want to paint a picture for you. In our culture right now, in our country, this is, Matthew Kelly did this research. And according to his research right now, there are 100 million Catholics in the United States. 100 million, that's that's an insanely large number. But there's a problem with that number, right? Of the 100 million Catholics in the United States of America, America, 30 million of those are ex-Catholics. So the largest religion in the United States is Catholicism. The second largest is (laughs) ex-Catholicism. You hear people say that, and it's true. So that leaves us with 70 million. Of the 70 million remaining... 49 million out of those 70 do not regularly go to Mass. 49 million Catholics do not regularly attend Mass. This is a whole other homily, but I will tell you the truth. In my grandparents' generation, that was not the case. It simply wasn't the case. That's changed since then. So that leaves us with 21 million Catholics. Of the 21 million Catholics remaining, 11 million of those 21 do not attend Mass every Sunday. They'll go somewhat regularly, but they won't go every Sunday, which is one of the Ten Commandments. And in Sunday Mass, brothers and sisters, is the mark of a basic practicing Catholic. And we're not talking about Mother Teresa here. (laughs) If if you're like, wow, I'm in the 10%, don't pat yourself on the back too hard. That's a basic commandment of God. 
It's, it's not the fulfillment of everything he's asked us. That's, that's one of the bare minimums. So in this country today, we have 10% of the Catholics that should be at Mass coming. And we can whittle that number down even further. You know, they, they say that, that of that 10 million, that, uh, <clears throat> what is it, 5%, I want to say, gave, gave 80% of the time and money. Here's my point. That's not our church. It's not what the Catholic Church should be. And brothers and sisters, something different is happening here at Lourdes. Right? And I became a priest when I decided, when I said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to try and you know, live up to what you've called me to. I didn't do it so we would be comfortable. <laughs> I didn't do it so I could have a life where I knew I had job security, which I do. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but that's not why I did it. I did it because whatever you think is wrong with the world, whatever things we need to do to make the world right, none of them matter except Jesus Christ. I mean, they do matter, right? I want better education and, and you know, people to have good traffic laws and no more corrupt governments and all those things. And then an ending of crime. But we're talking about eternity. We're talking about heaven and hell. And that's why this matters. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Brothers and sisters, we're going to do this. I am so excited. In the midst of a culture that is becoming more and more anti-Christian. If you haven't seen that, if you're not attuned to that, I don't know what it is you're doing, but you're not, you're not paying attention. Our country is rapidly moving away from traditional Christian teaching, and there is a growing hostility to Christianity in general and Catholicism in particular. But you and I have a mission. Right? People desperately all around us, people in the world need to know that they are loved, that they have a redeemer, that there is truth, that there is goodness, there is beauty. Now we're going to take care of the things we need to take care of in our church. I think everybody gets that. Right? When we have a boiler that's 20 years past its expected life, no one really argues with me. They're like, no one's like, no, Father Brian, that's ridiculous. We are not paying for a boiler, right? No one says that. But let's talk about beauty. In our time, and I said this in the video, but I want you to think about this. In our time, I bet all of you have done this. Have you ever talked to someone who's not a Christian? Have you ever tried to defend the faith? You can have the best arguments in the world. And we should all know our faith. I have studied, as you know, I've studied Catholicism fairly intensely for 15 years. And I think there's some pretty darn good arguments out there for it. Better than anything I've come across anywhere else. But if a person isn't open, they don't care. If their heart is shut to the truth, they're not going to open it up. And they will argue until 
kingdom come against it if that is where their heart is. But there's a couple things that can change that. And right at the top of the list of, th- of things that change people's hearts is beauty. Beauty has almost a mystical quality to it. I think, think about when you encounter beauty. When, on, on my day off, when you don't call me, thank you, I, and I go to the mountains, and I'll go for like a run, and well, I don't anymore because I hurt my knee, but when I get outside and I'm, I'm in the mountains, I don't even know how to say it, but I feel like a new human being. That's one of the things that makes you different from an animal, by the way. Right? As much as you love your dog and you pretend like it's a human being, your dog never goes up to Estes Park and says, wow, that's beautiful. Right? Your dog's like, oh my gosh, I want to pee everywhere. (laughs) That's your dog. But human beings, there's something about that. When you see something beautiful, it does something to your heart that almost nothing else can. Hans-Urs von Balthasar, I don't think he says this, but this is basically what his whole theology is. His theology is that when the truth is beautiful, we desire to be good. When the truth is beautiful, we desire to become good. And brothers and sisters, our faith is beautiful. There's nothing more beautiful than Catholicism. Nothing. The story of Jesus Christ, the love of the God-man on the cross, who suffers for the salvation of his bride, there's nothing more beautiful Nothing. Right? When people encounter that, it gives meaning to their lives and, and it fills them with joy and it makes them feel like a human being. The gospel is beautiful. One of the things that's happening at Lourdes is we, have, we were encountering the gospel, which is intrinsically beautiful. I think our music at all of our masses is becoming more and more beautiful. Right, music has that quality to, you, to it. When you hear something beautiful, it just opens your heart. And when our building harmonizes with that, we're going to reach the world more and more for Christ. That's why this isn't, this project, brothers and sisters, is not about Father Brian's personal tastes or like, hey, we at our church would like to kind of have a a place that looks a little nicer. Our building, and I told somebody this this morning, you know, churches are theology in stone. That's what they are. And there's a lot of bad theology in stone out there, actually. Not in ours so much, but our building, when we do this project, it will preach the gospel by the very way it's built. Let me tell you about that. You know what's going to happen? So we're going to keep our crucifix. I love our crucifix. I think it's maybe the most beautiful crucifix in Denver. I love it. We might refinish it just to make it shine a little bit. The green curtain's coming down. I know you will all miss it. That's my only contribution to our church physically is the green curtain. But the green curtain will go away. But our crucifix is going to be set against a marble slab. 
it'll just jump. It'll draw your eyes and your heart to that image of Christ. We'll have new, our sanctuary is going to be curved. If you've been to the cathedral, it's going to be somewhat like that. And what that's going to do is it's going to add depth to the sanctuary. Right now, it's, it's, it's flat. It's straight and straight. But there'll be a sense of depth. Now, all, I love all the different pieces of our sanctuary, but they don't match. And I know the priests who put them there. I love them all. I'm friends with them all. But you know what they did? One of them said, I really like angels, so I'm going to put those angels on the wall, which are beautiful. Then another priest came along and he said, I really like icons. I'm going to put icons on the wall. I love our icons. They don't match the angels, right? <laughs> then another priest came along and said, I'm going to put a new marble altar in, and I'm going to put marble angels. And you know what? I like our marble altar. I like our marble angels. They don't match anything else. Our sanctuary needs unity. Above you, right? What we're going to do is we're going we're to pop the roof. So kind of the central section of the roof, imagine it being popped a level, and we're going to have clear windows on both sides. And we're going to have light. And that's when you know what's going to happen. You're going to walk into church, and your eyes are just going to go like this. And a church reminds you that to be a human being is to look towards the heavens. That's what it means to be a human being. There's so much more. Our narthex, by the way, the, today, no kids are screaming right now. Our narthex is going to be a great place to gather after Mass. It's also a great place for you parents. I want our children in the church. They are part of the community, and I am grateful for those of you who have children and support life. When they go nuts, we're going to have a place where you don't feel like you have to go outside. Right? The, the walls will be shut down, but you'll, be, you'll feel the, we're going to have monitors out there. The Mass will be going, and it's like you can still be part of the community, but the kids won't be screaming in the church. So many good things. How are we going to do this? I know, Father Brian, this sounds like a lot, but we're just a little parish. Brothers and sisters, we're, we are going to pass this with flying colors. I have a lot of help. I've got 16 members on a cabinet, a campaign cabinet with me, who are meeting weekly. We have over 60 volunteers. I have a parish staff of 12. We're rolling already. We've done a lot of work. You heard about the million-dollar match. I want to tell you about another number. La this past week, we only went to the 16 cabinet members. So, so far, 16 people have committed to the campaign. Just 16. We have over 750 households. 16 people, not including the million-dollar match, have contributed $470,000 to the campaign already. 16 households. Most of that came from me. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You might be thinking right now, Father Brian, I don't have a lot of money. We're a young couple or, or wherever you have financial, you might think, I don't have a lot of money to give. That's okay. If all of us come together, this will not be a problem. But I need all of you. I don't have a lot of money either. As a priest, my community, we strive and we pride ourselves to try to live simply. I'm not allowed to make a purchase over $200 without my brothers approving it. Every, whenever someone gives me money, the law in our community is that that does not belong to the priest, it belongs to the poor. 
I don't have a lot of money either. Steve, our campaign director, came to my office. It was really funny. He said, Father Brian, what do you want to give the campaign? And I was like, I don't know, Steve. Do you know how much I make? Because I don't. <laughs> and he actually did know, which that's kind of creepy. Um, <laughs> but he knew, and he said, he said, you know, this, our group has decided we think a good number for you would be 4,500 over three years total. And I wasn't hugely generous, but I stretched myself. I looked at my finances, I thought about it, and I said, I'm going to do 6,000. I'll do 2,000 a year, and I'll give 6,000 to the campaign. That's not a ton of money, but it's what I can do. Brothers and sisters, if we all do that, this will not be a problem. By the way, that $470,000 would not, again, not including the million dollar match, that's 37% of our goal from 16 people. 37%. The million dollar match starts now. None of the, the committee, the cabinet, none of that counts towards the million dollars, which means everything you give will be doubled up to a million dollars. That's amazing. That's an incredible gift. So what's going to happen moving forward? You should have already received from us a mailing that has FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions. You should have gotten that in the mail. If you didn't, you're not registered, please register. Come on board with us. You're going to get from us in the next two weeks, you're going to get a packet of information. One thing's a case statement. Read it. It's exciting. It has all the details. It talks about all the things we're going to do. I'm not too excited about it because I don't use these bathrooms, but we're going to have new bathrooms. I'm told that a lot of people are happy about that. You'll get that packet, and then in that packet, you're going to get a letter from me, and you're going to get an amount that we're asking you to consider over three years. And I just want to warn you, it's going to challenge you, and I hope it does. You were not created to be comfortable. You were not created to have no fears in your life. You were created, right? And I know you can only give what you can give. I get that. You know what the nicest buildings in our country are right now? Malls. I'm quite serious. Malls are the nicest building in our country. Because right now, that's what our country cares about. Our church is going to be a beautiful building. Because you and I care about this place. So I'm challenging you. Think about that number. Pray about it. When you get that packet, open it up. After that, in the following months, we have those 60 volunteers. You're going to get a phone call following up saying, have you prayed about this? What can you do? Have you thought about it? When that call comes, please take that call. Right? The, the volunteers that are calling you are not calling for themselves. They're not a solicitor. They're someone who belongs to our community, to our family. And they're asking you to partner with us in building the kingdom of God. So please take that call. If you miss their call, please call them back. Don't come to Mass and, like, talk to me and be like, oh, Father Brian, you know, like, yeah, I just, I don't know, just haven't gotten back to that person. I don't know, I can't, some lame excuse. Call them back. Maybe you can't give the full amount. That's okay. Can you give something? Brief timeline. We have full approval from the, from the diocese. We need 50% of that cash, and we need $2 million in the bank before we can start. I think we're going to get that, no problem. I think we're going to get $4 million, no problem. 
we want to begin construction in the fall of 2017. Construction, we don't know for sure, but I'm thinking it's going to be about eight months. And so I would love to have our first Mass here back in our brand new restored church uh, in the beginning of August 2018. It's going to be an awesome moment. Okay, I want to leave you with this. I know I've gone a little long today. Shocker. Um, I want to leave you with this. I want to return to where we started. The reason we do any of this is because we have faith. Faith is a verb. Faith is not a checkbox. People of faith are people like Peter. They get out of the boat. They risk something. Our times, I'm hearing from people all over the place. The election's Tuesday. Just be glad I didn't preach about that today, right? The election's Tuesday. I hear all kinds of people saying, Father Brian, I'm worried about our country. I'm worried about our future. I can get that way sometimes too. Where is the, how is the church going to survive? Our, it seems like fewer and fewer people believe. I want to leave you with this. St. Augustine, as you know, is my favorite saint. St. Augustine lived when the Roman Empire was collapsing. One of his most famous, probably his second most famous work is called The City of God, and he wrote it because pagan thinkers accused Christianity of causing the downfall of Rome. They said the reason all this is happening is because we were all becoming Christians. Augustine died when barbarians were besieged hippo. And he dies, it looks like the end of all civilization. There's literally barbarians at the gates. And here's what Augustine said. If anybody had reason to be negative, it was him. And here's what he says. He says, bad times, troublesome times. This is what people are saying. Let our lives be good, and the times will be good. For we make our own times. And such as we are, such are the times. Brothers and sisters, there's not evil times, there's not good times. There's good people and there are evil people. We make our times. This age belongs to us. I am so excited about this campaign. I'm so excited, I'm so grateful for what God is doing in our church. Please join me, please commit to this. We are going to do great things for God together and he'll do it through us. And so please pull out that, that prayer. There should be a prayer somewhere in your pew that's a prayer for our capital campaign. We're going to be praying this in the coming months. And so pray with me. Lord, in you we hope. In you we place our trust. Grant us through the Eucharist to live in communion with you so that free from fear we might build your church. Amen.